0: All right, we're here with the legend, Jeff Tucker. Jeff, welcome oh, to the show. The legend, huh? Wow. I, th- I I think I don't know how old you have to be to be a legend, but you're pushing it. You're getting close, at least.
1: I turned fifty-seven yesterday, so I think that's legendary.
0: Yeah. Oh well, happy birthday! Yeah. yeah, I think fifty-seven is the cutoff. So as of yesterday, <laughs> you're, I just you're a made legend. it under the wire. Okay. You are you are officially a legend. Um, you were you were asking, you know. Why I reached out to you, for those listening, we, we put these up pretty quickly. So we're all sitting at home, self-quarantined, and I had my list of guests, and you'd been one from, as soon as we launched, I was like, we got to get Tucker on the podcast. And for those that don't know Tucker, if you've taken any gymnastics course in the CrossFit world, most likely it was influenced by this man, Jeff Tucker. Is that a, I'll
1: agree with that.
0: I'll agree, I agree with that. So I met you. 2008 I think you came we've told this story before but you came to Albany CrossFit right off a flight from Australia I believe and yeah um, yeah and it
1: was 20 degrees in Albany it was horrible
0: (laughs) yes for a Texan for a Texan it was you know a standard Albany day but for you pretty cold and you've had a huge impact on my not just CrossFit journey but especially in the gymnastics world and I know a lot of people listening you know they we've had some of your best coaches, like Chuck Bennington and uh, Pam on here we've talked uh, to Sean, so we've had some of your best coaches and coaching staff on here and like like good coaches, they give credit to you so thank you for all you've done in the crossfit space and in the gymnastics world well, I assure you i'm a small part of it, and it's been my honor well well let's let's start off there, but I do want to get to talking about your recent endeavors in the carnivore diet so a lot of people are interested in that but before we get there tell me about your first introduction to to CrossFit and and where that journey started and how it led to you being the SME in the gymnastics space.
1: I'll give you the short version. Uh, We had uh, opened up a training facility there in Fort Worth and Uh, Started construction on it in 06, uh, 25,000 square foot facility, including the stuff out back long version short six months after we opened, somebody there was asking if they could use the facility during the day for CrossFit style workouts. I had never heard of it. Once I learned of it and got into it, the gymnastic component kind of sung to me. It it, it was one of those things. I went, wow, Hey, this might be something to this. Uh, So we literally sold all of our, fitness equipment in there that we were letting moms and dads work out with uh, while their kids were learning to tumble in the other room or do Taekwondo upstairs, that kind of stuff. So we were a sports facility training for for youth. Uh, Anyway, all that parlayed into I became affiliate number 278. Uh, We started CrossFit in the Petri dish, played with it for about six months before really launching it. And then we launched it in our gym, and we launched it with a uh, uh, gosh, I guess Dave Castro, Nicole Carroll, Glassman, all of them came out and, and did a level one there. And then from there, after that weekend, we started our CrossFit journey uh, with to the public. So that's and, and that's really when you know when Greg and and Dave Castro saw the place, they went, "Wow, this guy's not messing around." But that was what's interesting enough. The funny thing is. Greg and I got into a fight via email before all that started uh, because he didn't understand who I was or what we were, or what we were trying to do. And uh, and then once he showed up and he saw it, you know, all of a sudden we were best buddies. <laughs> so anyway, Greg was an the asshole then to me and I was nice about it.
0: <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of people, you know, share those sentiments, right? Then it's like... Anything- <laughs> But, but but once you get to know the person, be it be a Coach Glassman, be a Dave Castro, you realize, hey, they're a good they're at, at the root of it. They're still a very good person. So,
1: yeah, I think you know they had a mission, and, and I get it, you know, and, and at that time, Greg thought we were akin to things that they were not trying to do, uh, you know, and we were just asking simple business questions. Then Jason, it's like you know, if I shut down for the weekend and do a level one, uh, gosh, we lose out on five thousand revenue that weekend you know, doing kids events and things of that nature. So we were just kind of curious, hey, you know, how do we get compensated for this, you know? How dare you ask such a question, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but but the funny thing is, that was my introduction to Greg, and and, and I don't think a whole lot's changed since then, but, but anyway.
0: <laughs> so, so you go on to be the subject matter expert. You travel the world. I mean, uh, pretty famously, you've done, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of gymnastics seminar, I mean, you were basically on tour for what, three or four years? Longer than that.
1: Uh, I I The last course, the, the last year that I went, I taught 48 courses the last year just myself. And after that, I think that was 2010, maybe? Uh, maybe 2011, we were up at Big Sky and that's where Castro had said, hey, is there any way you could do a hundred courses this next year? (laughs) I'm like, well, wait a minute. I've just killed myself doing 48. Like, just like you mentioned, had flown back from Australia to Albany, uh, was completely whooped, you know, and tired. And, you know, as you get with this, you know, you travel. And, uh, I said, yeah, we could do that, but I'm going to have to really build up some staff. And that's why you got to talk to people like Pamela and Chuck and Sean and, and yourself who've been a part of courses and, and yeah, we just, you know, I, I just ramped it up from there. But yeah, I, I mean, we've been doing this now for 12 years.
0: You know, and, and having been a part of the CrossFit seminar staff, over 200 seminars, it's draining. But I also show up and have a team of usually two to four other people. Yeah. A lot of those seminars, you're showing up by yourself, meaning You got to bring it for two straight days where I get maybe a little downtime if I'm not doing a lecture or, you know, get a little break or even just get to vent with your crew. You're often by yourself for those days.
1: In the beginning, most definitely. And and you're pulling people out as constructs to be used as demonstration as to how to teach, what to teach this is what happens when you do this, this is what happens when you do that. And, and it's a real hands-on thing. And even now, you know, although we might have, we, you know, on big courses we can have as many as three assists, but in my version of it, it's always the lead is in control of that weekend. They set the tone from the beginning and they finish the course at the end and you use the assists throughout the course. And it's not that they're not able to stand up and glean certain information to, to the staff, Uh, to, to people and other coaches and athletes, but uh, we take a very different approach as to how we teach it versus the level ones, uh, which I think is still the case even based off your comments. So, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of one of those things that you become an integral part of the fabric of that weekend. And, um, uh, you know, we want, because there's so much information to glean, uh, there's a methodology that we use to, to extrapolate good conversations back and forth and good coaching IQs and you know get some science behind it now we've probably got more academia in the course than we've ever had uh but but the leads that go out and teach it now um yeah they're they're in control of the show that weekend and, and hopefully with assist now if it's a smaller course like right now we might have a course that just had 10 people in it well normally they'll be just a lead handling that and it's very manageable yeah
0: and, you, and you've got some amazing – Chuck Bennington is, I believe, like our third biggest downloaded show ever. So you've got a great staff out there, and he's been yep. your right-hand man for quite some time. You've been to, what, over 200 boxes?
1: Oh, gosh, uh, more than that. I mean, it – It. I mean, golly. It, it, I think – I stopped counting a while back. This is when I was still involved. I think I had personally taught – 175,000 people at that time when I was still going full bore. Uh, you know, now I know we're way above 300,000. Uh, you know, and as far as boxes I've been to globally, yeah, certainly over 200, you know.
0: But I do stopped you, doing the
1: math a long time ago.
0: Do, does any box stand out to you as like, this is a really cool <laughs> or unique or, or special box out of all Depends. those boxes? <laughs>
1: I will say one thing. I went to Upcountry CrossFit in Maui, and basically, we did a course in a pineapple plantation. That was astounding. Uh, literally worried about safety at that particular place. We we went in there with some hardware and shored up some equipment in order to do what we do. Uh, and then I've been to the most elegant of boxes that have all the equipment and everything, and that's great but it's really not about the box that's just a construct to get to teach and intermingle with people and answer questions and raise goals and raise bars i mean it's really you know we've taught in shitholes and we've taught in stuff that's just super clean and awesome and and the reality is it's just not about the damn box it's about the people who show up that's what it's really all about but i I stand out i mean gosh my favorite place is australia as a dream, as a kid, I just always wanted to go to Australia. And I remember in 09, I had told Lauren, uh, when Lauren and Greg were still married, I said, hey, I'm going to Sydney to the uh, Olympic Training Center. We're going to do a course there. Uh, and she goes, no, 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 no. You need to just let them come to you over here in the U.S. And I'm like, well, it costs three grand if they do that. And, you know, I said, I'm going there. I mean, I was the first SME to go international and do SME courses internationally. And plus it was at the Olympic center, which was just incredible, you know? Uh, And yeah, we, we were the first ones that kind of breached that. And then Mike Berger's calling me saying, how the hell did you do that? You know, that kind of stuff. So I think we've been groundbreaking in some areas as far as getting the, the subject matter stuff out there the way we did, but yeah, but I mean, all of them are, All of them are memorable. Even your box is memorable. I mean, I I remember being in there and I I will not forget driving by y'all's state house going, my God, it's so cold. How are we going to (laughs) move? But, (laughs) but it was a good group. Well, I mean, there's, there's people there that I still talk with today. Uh, Steve Rako, who was military Navy guy showed up there in Albany and I still talk with him today. And that was, that's a long time ago. You know,
0: so yeah, I mean <laughs> yeah, 10, you know, eleven, twelve years ago, Steve from Maryland, yeah, I mean, a, a bunch. Mm-hmm. You know, I look back in those pictures and I see, I mean, some of my former coaches, and you know, it's it's one of those things where you, the gymnastics course to me has always been the best, you know. And I had Coach Bergner on this podcast, so, but I will say, the gymnastics course to me has always been the most fun and the most applicable when it comes to CrossFit training. You know, sure, we want to clean and jerk and we want to snatch, but getting some of these athletes to understand how to control their body in space, I mean, there's a reason on the hierarchy, gymnastics is, you know, below weightlifting.
1: I agree. I think it's more than that too, though. I think so many people have forgotten to get upside down. You know, they stopped being kids long ago, and so they stepped away from body movement of any kind. Uh, you know, let alone getting on rings, getting upside down or walking on hands or whatever. I mean, it, it's funny when, when my friends asked me what I did for a living, I just said, oh, I'll teach handstands to adults, you know, and, and that was kind of way of dumbing it down. But, but it, it, there's so many cues and so much information out there about what we do and little tricks to help learn to, to, to maybe overcome a fear or, or, or find balance for the first time in a while you know, or maybe, maybe you never had balance, maybe you never had spatial awareness, you know, so yeah, I think that's what makes it seem so uh, integral to everything, but
0: yeah. Do you, do you remember any one person in particular, like coming to your gymnastics seminar and just making such a huge change or doing something they were afraid of or something they never thought they could do and having an impact on you?
1: Lots of stories like that, 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 that's kind of, gosh, we don't have enough time for your podcast, I, but I'll, I remember one guy in Perth, Australia was 72 years old and he had just gotten accepted to medical school. And I said, man, I really want to be you when I grow up. And, and he didn't move well. He had difficulty getting upside down, lots of, you know, dents in the fender, if you will. Uh, the mileage was extensive, but yet he did everything that everybody else did that weekend. Uh, And, and, you know, with his arthritis or injuries that he'd had uh, post-life, yeah, I mean, those kind of things just always stay with you. Uh, I lost track of him. It's been a long time since I've I've talked to him. I'm not sure he's still with us. But I just remember at that time going, wow, this guy has got the most incredible mindset. And he was wonderful to sit down and have a beer with and just talk, you know. Um, I've had people who are, you know, stand at the bar and literally cry afraid to jump up and get upside down, you know, doing a front or back lever, uh, same thing in handstands. And so we overcome a lot of fears and we create a lot of challenges in that simple course. And from that extrapolates into uh, more challenges that they'll set for themselves after they leave. I mean, that was always the goal for me. It wasn't that everybody learned everything that weekend. That was the beginning of a journey. And the journey's continued, and what I've seen in that goal that I set for them was to challenge themselves and continue that challenge throughout their life. Uh, you're not going to get all – I mean, I always – I think you'll remember this. I'll always start a course saying, look, let me tell you what I can't do for you right now. I, I can't make a gymnast out of you in 16 hours. I can't teach you the whole work of body of gymnastics and weight training in 16 hours. You know, I can't teach you all the science and nutrition in 16 hours. All I can do is turn a page and let you start to see that there's a different path here. Um, and people, they either ate it all up and, and said, okay, I'm going to accept this and make it part of my life and training now, uh, or they would go back and forth to it. But I think we made lots of changes in people. I Not think, I know we did. We made a lot of changes in people. With a lot of converts, a lot of victories, some defeats, and some things we had to – you know, I remember there was a gal down in Austin who had just won the – uh, rowing, her and her partner, she had no legs, uh, it was the, uh, they were over in London doing their Olympics, uh, and I remember going, wow, that was, that was going to be a tough one, you know, how do I get her upside down and find balance, and her partner also uh, was a male component in, in the rowboat with her, he had lost his right leg, you know, and, and just, how am I, <laughs> how, how am I going to do this, you know, and she'd also had, didn't have all of her fingers, she had, stuck her hands through the placenta when she was developing as a, as a, as a fetus. And so she, you know, gripping things. I mean, I've had lots of challenges like that, that stick out and, you know, those things are fun to overcome, but we found ways, you know, uh, gosh, even, uh, even Kyle Maynard, you know, just, how am I going to get him upside down on a set of rings? He wants to do something that is going to be really challenging, you know, and we would find the best ways that we
0: could based off the situation we had. So. You know, all these years later, in retrospect, you've had great success in this, but is there anything you would have done differently in with the gymnastics course or what you taught or how you would have applied it? Is there anything you would have changed?
1: Oh, there's a great many, things.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> I mean, on, what do you <laughs> – I don't, I don't know how to – oh, gosh, man. We, I need to write a book, I guess. Uh, you should
0: write – I'm – What's that we'll come good? back to
1: that. <laughs> there's a reason I never published. Um, no, I, 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 really. There's a lot of things I would have changed. Uh, I think about the minute things of, of just, uh, you know, things that we've put in and taken out. Uh, you know, there even came a time when we took front and back levers out. You know, and this was just a few years ago. And I wished I had never done that uh, because it did, it did create. Uh, a different form of strength and mindset and physical aptitude that I think is paramount in all of this. Uh, But we tended to kind of gravitate like everybody else toward, well, it's not in competitions. It's hard to judge in competitions. I would have great conversations with Castro. And by great, I'm being facetious about why don't you put a front or back lever into a damn CrossFit workout? Well, it would be hard to judge. Well, Tough shit. You know, it's, it can be judged. You know, uh, those things show an immense amount of spatial awareness, control, and strength. And it's much prettier to watch, uh, even in competition, than, you know, trying to see somebody upside down doing a handstand push up on rings and they can't do it. You know, I like athletes to look like athletes. I want them to be challenged, but want them to see them overcome things as well. But uh, yeah, there's a wealth of things I would have changed in it, man. I, I even my own personal part of it, I, I, I think I would have maybe created more patience, uh, less ego. Uh, I'm human like everybody else. I think that, that for a while, this thing kind of fed my ego and I didn't really like that. And I think that entered into the course. Uh, yeah, how yeah, much time you got?
0: <laughs> hey, all the time, you know, I'm on quarantine just like you. So something some people might not know about you is you actually ran like I did the sectionals and regionals for quite a few years you know before they obviously <sighs> got rid of it and fed into you know we fed into the games and you and I had a uh, control over some of those workouts back in the day yeah what, what was your favorite workout that you guys created at that level and oh it,
1: uh, I tell, you, I'll the tell you mine that- after well, I tell you the one thing that we did, uh, well, first off, and I do, I remember we were all get, you and I and other uh, leaders in the original regionals would get on the phones and talk about the workouts we were going to create. I never thought it was fair that we didn't have the same workout, you know, this unknowable thing out there. I think kind of obviously that, that had to change later. We knew that, that that would change that you wouldn't necessarily have this hodgepodge of different regions doing different workouts. I mean, that's going way back. I mean, it, it's funny if people look at their own history in CrossFit and go, wow, uh, they really did that, you know? I, but what we did is uh, we, we ended up doing a strict we, – we had a requirement in one of the workouts, and I remember it ate Jeremy Teal's lunch. Uh, he did not like it uh, and didn't do well at it. Uh, but, you know, everybody was doing this kipping movement, right? And they were just kipping to get above the bar. Well, our standard was at your head – and chin had to raise and break the plane of that horizontal bar, which means you could still kip if you wanted to, but, you know, it's considered like a super high chest-to-bar pull-up where you had to get your head over the plane of the bar. That changed the entire game. We also did strict handstand push-ups. That changed the entire game. When momentum was taken out, the true strength component kicked in. And that literally was a game changer. And people talked about it in not very glowing prose.
0: Well, that's something you've always (laughs) preached from from day one at the seminar. You need to have strict before you get to kipping. And it's something that Fern and I repeat often on this podcast. And and we talk about all the time. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did you guys have the 50 chest-to-bar, 50 burpee workout? I don't think so, No. That might think, have been another region. Yeah. That was, that, was that, was one, that was one of my favorites. I still do that regularly. So now those are some workouts you did. What's one workout over the years you've seen programmed at the games that you're like, uh, this is just a terrible workout. Um, just yeah. one, just one. <laughs> oh my God.
1: Uh, Wow. Well, you know, I was behind the scenes at the games when when Castro was trying to figure out what to do. When 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 they did the first time ever there at the Home Depot Center, when they had people do handstand push-ups on rings, I just went like, you, you're an idiot. I mean, this is not going to go the way you think it's going to go. Uh, uh, and I remember trying to argue for – doing a walk across the floor on hands. That was before they had ever done a handstand walk. And Boz was completely against it. You know, he's like, no, no, no. And I'm like, well, why? You know, why? I said, at least there, they're gonna get some distance, right? But if you remember when they did that that thing, everybody was just throwing everything they could at it. Didn't know how to get upside down on rings. Had never done it before. You know, this new thing that was thrown out there. And i I just thought that was a bunch of grandstanding crap. I didn't like it at all. And I didn't like being a part of it indirectly behind the scenes because I was in charge of logistics. Uh, I remember they were playing with a triple under, you know, and I'm like, seriously, you're going to try to judge a triple under. I mean, come on, you know, I, and, and we we sat back there and tried it, you know, and I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> you know I, I think it's gotten much better since then, but back then it was just like, People were pulling crap out of their back pocket and throwing it out there. It was weird. I didn't like that. I wanted athletes to look like athletes. Uh, I, I tell you what I did. I tell you what was my most favorite, and All it was right, going back to, to yeah, back to, ranch, to the ranch when they had to pile drive uh, with a sledgehammer that spike in the ground. To me, that was man. You want to talk about functional and 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 skill. Uh, it it takes a lot to, to do that, especially when you're fatigued, so, but that's kind of my old fireman days, you know, swinging an axe, and those kind of things, you can't get more functional than that.
0: You know, and I think that's something a lot of newer at CrossFit people fail to realize, is some of those old events, like the sledgehammer, or there were events where they had to move just large loads long distances, you don't see that as often these days, it's, it comes down to more fitness and workouts but back in the day there was a lot of those grunt work type of workouts
1: yeah yeah i i well and you know topography landscape uh uh, conditions in nature i think make a a a big difference um sometimes they're minute but they creep in uh you know I, i think It it just got to, to me, what I didn't like about the games, it just had to keep getting grandiose every year. Bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And what are we going to do next? And what are they going to throw out next? And to me, that detracted from what the ultimate goal of the game should have been. But that's just one man's opinion.
0: So let's switch gears a little bit. In in recent weeks, if anyone follows you on Facebook, I don't know if you're on any of the other platforms as, as much, but you've made this huge change in your life to the carnivore diet. I have. So huge buzzword going around. Like I told you earlier, we're having Mark Bell, who's not the founder of the carnivore diet, but but most likely if you've heard of it, it's yeah. probably the guy spreading the word. And then of course it was on Joe Rogan and so many people. What What was the catalyst for you? What was the uh, turning point where like, I'm doing this, I'm going, and you seem to have dove all in, not just with your diet, but with your mindset as well, which I love. I mean, your posts are highly motivational. Uh, you know, they really get people thinking in a positive way. I love seeing them. But what was that catalyst? What made you make that switch one day? It was just
1: time. Uh, I, you know, I think for it, it's a real personal journey for me. Um, I, uh, it, it, Well, I needed to walk the walk. I think that's probably the simplest answer Uh, but I had decided to make some very serious changes and not for any other reason other than the fact that for me mentally it was just time. Uh, Gosh my father died about seven years ago I think I took a drink every day every morning to start the day after that Uh, you know the good old cowboy mimosa you know having one of those and starting the day and not realizing maybe how that was creeping in uh, not really following the nutrition the way I had I even know you and I at one time talked about a nutritional plan for me and and I just never would commit because I let the, the, the trappings of the day of my life get in the way. Um, one of the most liberating things I've ever done is frankly stop coaching full time. Uh, I finally found time for me, you know? Uh, I mean, it's a great to be of service. It, it's great to be a coach, but you know, as well as I do, I've seen many coaches after a decade who have, basically been a former shell of themselves because they're taking care of everybody else, you know, uh, and it takes a commitment to be able to take care of yourself and others at the same time. And, and me, I had done it on such a massive scale. I mean, I, I answered all the emails I've had. I, I still have people email me today and I'm not in it as much as I was back then. Um, so I, I, yeah, I decided no sugar, no alcohol, no carbs whatsoever, pure protein, uh, and that's what I've been doing. And I've been looking into this for about a year and a half and following some other people's journeys on it. Talked to Rob, my buddy, Rob Wolf, a little bit about it. Um, you know, wanted to see what the do's and don'ts might be, uh, Jordan Peterson and his daughter and wife or somebody that I, I follow pretty heavily. Uh, so I, I just decided, screw it. I'm going to do it. And I'm in my 36th, seventh day, 37th day right now.
0: First of all, congrats. That's really awesome. I love seeing your journey. Thanks. So, is it it tough? You're a cowboy, right? (laughs) So, you know, you have the T5 Ranch and all that stuff, but is there, like, a fine line between saying, like, I'm having a drink every morning and, fuck it, I'm a cowboy?
1: Well, we, we, I want to understand that question. So don't let me bogart that joint. What do you mean exactly? What do you
0: asking? <laughs> no, hey, I'm in Colorado. You can't bogart the joints around here. Um, I, know, so, I know. So, no, I mean, I, I can understand where it's great. You're like, hey, I'm waking up and I'm a fucking cowboy and I have a shot of whiskey and, you know, I shoot oh, guns. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's like you don't realize in that moment you're a cowboy, but maybe you can still be a healthy version of that cowboy.
1: I think I told myself that, but I think the real reality was I was dealing with some pretty major grief. Uh, six months after that, my youngest sister died. Uh, I was dealing with some things and, and and just ignoring the fact that I was dealing with it uh, and how I was dealing with it. You know, I mean, I would bitch and moan about how my joints always hurt and inflammation was set in. I knew what to do. I just wasn't doing it. And so, you know, the alcohol in, in the day and Hell, man! I just opened up a brewery literally six months ago, and uh, you know, so here I am making beer in Brown County, Texas, and 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 you know, why do my joints hurt all the time? Well, I know why. You know, I got to get off this crap. So yeah, but I mean, that mindset—I, I, you know—I let the persona and ego kind of be a part of it, and that was stupid. You know, it. You know, we have to find reasons to drink. That's what I think you know, and, and I don't think there are good reasons, any of them. So, yeah, I think there was some of that, you know, cowboy mystique bullshit involved. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of like Lyle Lovett. I, you know, heaven knows I've tried to be a cowboy, but I constantly fail at it. So,
0: anyway. Well, like him, you've married much out of your league. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's don't talk about that. I'll get depressed. <laughs> uh, so, now talk, talk to me about this 37 days in, what are, some yep. of the, what are some of the changes you've seen?
1: Massive change. I mean, since 2000, I've been dealing with eczema uh, in one form or fashion. It used to be on my hands. And I'd had a corrective knee surgery, pretty extensive surgery, and it got necrosis. So they gave me some massive antibiotics that killed it and killed the necrosis. And I actually took the, the eczema off my hands. I thought, oh great, this shit's finally gone. And I think that was 06, 07. um, And I'd had it since 2000. And then it came back on my foot uh, about a year later. And uh, so I kept doing all the normal stuff, cortisone shots, steroid creams, all that crap. You know, just finally just said, well, screw it. I'm dealing with it, you know, this way. And there's no cure. You listen to doctors and all that. That's another big reason I decided to go carnivore. Because I figured, hey, if I can take all this crap out of my life that's causing me some of these ailments, um, I mean, literally within 12 days, it, it, it cleared up. Um, and I've got some before and after pictures that i put on my Instagram post of that. And when people see it, they're like, my God, you know, I mean, it looks like leprosy. And it's gone, you know. I saw uh, now, those.
0: I mean, it was drastic.
1: It was, dr- and that was 12 days. And so that was a, a, an absolute for me. I went, okay, you know, this makes sense. Uh, you know, but being smart, sourcing beef, you know, sourcing the proteins, uh, even being smart about spices and things of that nature, but yeah, getting off uh, grains, alcohol, bread, sugar made a really quick impact there. Then I started seeing, you know, I, I, I'm thinking my fighting weight's probably around 165, 170. Uh, I'm around 185 right now. Um, I was at 215 when I started, and so those have been the other things, and you know, seeing blood pressure drop. I'll, I'll look at my blood work here at the end of 60 days. I I set a marker for 60 days, and so you know I've been seeing a lot of changes between that uh, resting pulse rate, BP, all going down. Uh, loss of weight, which is good and easy for the joints, but you know I still have arthritis in some areas, but the inflammation is pretty much gone. I, when I was a kid, I broke my back in two places uh, uh, when I was at the height of my gymnastic career. I didn't do it in gymnastics. Oddly enough, I did it rolling over in a dune buggy going too fast. And, and so, you know, even that inflammation has changed around that injury. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm feeling so, so much better. I just wished I'd have done it a lot sooner, you know.
0: So you, you mentioned 12 days. You saw a big difference. What would you tell people that are listening to this or they've, you know, maybe they listened to the episode with Mark Bell or just see something online. What's that minimum dose where they're like, hey, stick it out for this number of days and it'll be worth it. Because it's gonna get hard, right? And some people three, four days in might get frustrated, but to you, what's the minimum number of days? So you, you said it took about 12 days for you to see that difference. Is that the minimum number of days? Like, what would you encourage people to stick it out for? It's gonna be challenging at first, any change, but, but how long would you say, hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, Go for this long yeah. and you'll never want to stop.
1: It, everybody's different. I mean, the fact that I was getting off so many things at one time almost felt like a heroin addict, you know, trying to quit. Um, I think if it's, you know, but, but if I can do it, believe me, anybody can do it. You're going to have to have a mental will to want to do it, make the right choices. I think you've got two weeks of, you know, what people might call the keto flu. You know, you're going to feel really weird. Your digestion is going to change. You know, you, I say you've got to at least minimally commit to 30 days. Uh, that first two weeks is just going to be crap. Uh, you're going to feel like shit. Uh, I've been using LMNT, uh, which is an electrolyte with sodium, magnesium, potassium. That really helped with the, the headaches because I had a withdrawal system uh, of no longer having certain things in my body. Uh, and, and, and infuse your willpower with information. There's some great, great information out there they will let your mind go, you know what, I might want to let my liver actually produce more uh, uh, LDL, you know, or, or fight better infection this way by cleaning up and resetting. And, and you know, once you get into the information, I, I, you know, most people, oh, I'm going to miss a salad, you know, we'll get the hell over it. You, you need to reset, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to stay off carbs forever. You know, my plan is to go 60 days and then see what I want to do. But also to see what that journey is going to be like. I mean, I'm simply not, I don't think I'm experimenting on myself, but I'm certainly using factual information and data. And I'm going to prove it out through blood work. So, I mean, I've got pre-blood work. I'll have post-blood work. I've got notes and journals that I'm making as I go along so I can report back to what happened over that time period. But yeah, I think they've got to give it a minimum of 30 days. And if you can do anything in 21 days, it's a habit. So, you know, you've got to get that 30 day mindset and then do the things that are not going to allow you to fail, meaning information, get the information that says, OK, hey, I, I'm actually going to poop, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to have a bowel movement. And here's why, uh, you know, you don't I, there was one particular doctor that I read that, you know, he, he literally put it in perspective for me when he talked about um, how how much the animal uh, and, and fat diet was so different from the amount of plant-based food you would have to eat to sustain, you know, uh, synapsis connection in the brain. And I went, wow, he's right. You know, I mean, I'll be pooping for a week if I eat all this, <laughs> this plant, you know, based diet. And, and so those kind of things empowered me. And, and that's what I tell people to do. Like, look, don't, don't believe everything out there, including me. Do your own research. But when you do your research, make sure it's adequate, smart, good sourcing. And then look at what's going on with people that you might trust and just ease into it, you know. Uh, you know. But I mean, to get off of alcohol, sugar, especially alcohol. I mean, I, I don't think I had a problem, but I certainly was drinking far more alcohol than I needed to. It was just a part of daily life. It was like putting on a shirt. Hey, let's have a bottle of wine. You know, uh, hey, uh, golly, some whiskey sure sounds good right now, you know. And 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 always having something like that paired with a meal, you know. Hey, let's have a great steak in this meal and it really deserves a bottle of wine. And just taking that out made huge changes for me cognitively. I sleep better. Uh, my sleep recovery is amazing. I haven't slept this well. And honestly, probably forty years, um, because as a firefighter, I never had good recuperative sleep, and so this is this has been a real life changer for me. Um, uh, and and all of the positives is what I just tell people when they private message me, hey, yeah, you're gonna feel like this, uh, your is gonna get screwed up a little bit. you're not me, your blood work's different than mine, so you know, get a doctor, check some stuff out, and and be smart about the approach but you'll see some changes in 30 days significant changes
0: so you know you live on a ranch you have access to meat i'm sure what's your what's your favorite meat like i i'd assume with the carnivore diet it's almost like you have to find that dessert what's your what's your <laughs> meat that kind of acts as a dessert like what's your go to like this is delicious i can do this forever
1: well, I mean, I'm, as far as proteins go, I'm a huge fan of, of grass fed uh, uh, proteins. Um, and, and that can be, you know, sheep, lamb, goat, cattle, bovine, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm real big into to game, uh, but I try to be, even with that, I, with chronic waste disease, I, I, I test uh, the venison uh we're under a wildlife uh, development uh on the ranch so we we know the wild game out here from turkey to, to to what have you uh i'm real big into i love wild caught fish uh bass whitefish, that kind of thing uh but but really my go-to is just i mean if, if i'm like in a hurry and i know that i'm not going to do a lot of thought behind the process of what i'm creating that night i'll just get a really good marble ribeye uh, i tend to go grass-fed on everything uh but what I have found is it's just so simple to do. I'm, I'm making basically one thing. I'm not creating this plate, and and so from that I've enjoyed, you know, even sourcing other uh, uh, people who create uh, protein products to consume. Uh, and I look into holistic practices too of how they harvest and that kind of thing. I'm real big into free range, whether it be poultry or swine or that kind of that kind of gig. But yeah, my my go-to is just beef. Because you can do so many things with it. I mean, if you want to get smart and braise it, if you want to brine something and then cook it, you know, there's, there's all that. And I, oh, Margo's saying happy birthday. Sorry about that.
0: No, no, that's all right. It was her birthday as <laughs> Thanks, well. Margo. Hey, Mar- Margo, Margo was on the podcast a few months ago as well. I think it was her birthday yesterday too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. has there been any food that? when you started this, you're like, all right, I get to eat as much of this as I want. And now you're like, turns out I'm sick of that.
1: Um, not yet. I I tend to, I, I do a lot of things. This is basically what I do. So right now I, I wake up in the morning, I'll start off with a coffee. I use very little dairy. And if I do, it's heavy cream. Uh, and then I'll have an electrolyte drink and I probably don't eat that day. just till I get hungry. Uh, and normally that's around one o'clock on sometimes as late as eight o'clock because it depends on what I'm doing at the brewery that day uh, or out the ranch. Uh, but what I'm doing is intermittent fasting until that first protein meal. Now I might have some salamis or things like that. Some dried cured meats, which we also, uh, cure, uh, like I've taken some eye browns out here and cured them. Um, I love to kind of cure the meat component. That's fun to me. Uh, and, and so I'll have those kind of things if I get a, a hankering for something or I'm overexerting. I'm just now kind of getting back into what would be considered full workouts, so it's requiring more animal fat and animal protein. Uh, but there's not anything really yet that I've just said, "Oh crap, I'm not eating that again." Uh, I I change it up daily to keep it uh, fresh, if you will, uh, and, and trying to see you know how I can make it taste differently. Uh, when I've got the time, if I don't have the time, I just, you know, heck man, last night I just took an Akushi beef patty. It was frozen, cooked it up real quick, ate it. I was good to go. And off I'm on to the next thing. I, it, eating for me all of a sudden is to kind of become less and less of a, uh, how do I put this? I think it's important. Less and less of an event and more like just putting on my shirt. Just ah. something I've got to do for the day.
0: What was that? Oh, my dogs are going crazy. Somebody's <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there, yeah, I put mine no outside
1: for the interview, okay? <laughs> <laughs> You're better but prepared. I, 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 I will. I, I, I try really hard not to make it such like it's a major uh, event of the day or evening. It's just like, hey, I got to get some protein. Okay, on to the next thing. Let's go. Because I'm writing my thesis right now. So things like that, I'm trying to let be what require focus, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like everything you're talking about just out there in social media world where it's focused on the things you can. And I mean, especially in this time and and just in general, not getting distracted. And now you have one less distraction. So many people, food is that distraction. And maybe, you know, unfortunately for restaurants right now, but maybe a lot of people are going to realize that. Like, hey, we're not going out. And it's like, food's fuel. It's nice to celebrate with friends once in a while, but maybe we're treating, you know, maybe some of our issues with food stem from that relationship with food and not so much what we're eating.
1: Yeah. I think we tend to overcreate the relationship with food and, and I get why. I mean, it's a very social thing. It's in the fabric of our DNA. I think to do that, even going back to when we sat around charred flesh of the campfire, you know, Cro-Magnon man, you know, or Neanderthals. I mean, that was, you know, it's part of our relationship, even with fire is related to food. But I, I think, um, For me, I've tried to make, I I am taking a bit more of a minimalistic approach to life. And so, if I can get rid of any of those distractions, it certainly has been helpful. Getting rid of things like sugar, alcohol, carbs, all of that, to me, I've looked at as a distraction to the real goal at hand.
0: Well, and that's one of the things that is appealing to me about the carnivore diet. And I've tested a little bit, and it's it's actually made me change some of the things I've been doing. I'm not full-blown like you are, but... It's kind of like the idea that we always hear this Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg. They have one style of shirt. They go into the closet. They take it out every day. Same yeah. thing with this diet. It's like, I, I think for a lot of people that idea of black and white is beneficial because it's like, I can eat this. I can't eat that. Less, less brain power, Like you're saying.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And I, you know, if I can do anything, I probably would challenge you to, to, and I mean this in the kindest way, I would challenge you to take on 30 days and see what it's like and get a real report for yourself. Because I mean, 30 days is nothing, especially for a guy like you. Uh, You know, I think the thing that I've noticed with a lot of people contacting me, because it's always amazing how many people come out of the woodwork when you do something like this. And it's great. You know, it's, it's created some great conversations. Uh, But I've had a couple of, of boxes call me and they're like, Hey, I've been really following what you're doing and I applaud you. Uh, maybe because they knew me or met me, but uh, one in particular who knew me and, and said, man, how are you doing this right now? Because I'm just dying here, you know, and and we broke down his body makeup, his size, his energy output, all of that. We got into it. And I said, man, you just got to up the volume of protein and fat that you're eating right now. And that changed everything for him. Uh, the other thing too, is a lot of people get hung up on these pre-workout drinks these after workout drinks and i'm probably pissing people off with that but you know what i also did with that that electrolyte it's just a simple thing and all it is is potassium magnesium and sodium it's stuff that we need and that's been a great great help throughout the day on the intermittent fasting component on the workout component uh on the mineral component uh so yeah, I think there's simple approaches here that can create a long-lasting, good, positive result.
0: Well, and I think a lot of what people are so impressed by with you is beyond just the nutrition. It's really just that complete change in mindset. So it's, it's, And it's awesome to see if, uh, from afar, once this social, social distancing is over, I will take a full <laughs> go at it. But the challenge right now is just getting groceries. So,
1: you know. And, 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 I guarantee you there's a source where you're at. I guarantee it. I guarantee there's a source, even by door. You know, this, and that's interesting, man. I mean, I've even had to get my head around that because, you know, f- for me, the social distancing has happened here. Uh, uh, and, and it means that I had to – I think it's far easier than I thought it was going to be originally. But even if it means going to wild game, I've got that capability as well. Uh, so I'm not a prepper or anything, but I tend to be prepared and and so you know, I looked at that and there might be some you know if I'm just drinking coffee black, well okay, I'm drinking coffee black, big deal, you know uh, we we get too caught up uh, in in these things we think we must have uh, you know and, and we don't need them. I mean I like I said, I'm taking pretty minimalistic approach, <laughs> but I think the social distancing probably is a damn good thing. <laughs>
0: Hey, I, I've I've said it. A, I'm enjoying it a little bit, and B, it wasn't really that much different than my everyday life. So, yeah, you know, it was, I was one small tweak away from being in self quarantine all the time.
1: Well, I've heard. I, I tell you what, I've been watching a lot of my friends too. Of course, I was a box owner for over ten years. Uh, I get that. Uh, I've been watching a lot of them struggle with, you know, what to do, how to be proactive or reactive. And listen, I get it. You know, and they're so. God, the internet has done one thing, everybody's got an opinion uh, and, and conspiracy theory or what have you, but you have, to, you have to wade through so much and filter so much today to, to, to figure out what is the best step. And I finally just got to the point where I'm like, well, hey, do what's best for you. If you're doing what's best for you, you might do what's best for others too. So watching people close boxes, I think what's wrong with erring on the side of safety? What's wrong with saying, hey, yeah, maybe you can say I overreacted later, but you know, maybe you maybe it will be that I didn't. You know, I'd rather overreact than underreact, and and it's been hard to watch that. And and, and even as our own business, I mean, we are sitting here right now today uh, after this interview. I have meetings to set up about what are going to be our constructs going forward, especially after the announcement nationally yesterday. Uh, you know, in Dallas, which is only about two and a half hours east of me. Um, they're shutting down restaurants. You know, uh, people are scared. Um, you know, we can all debate, gosh, the information about that, but I think empirical evidence is around us. And even if you're a conspiracy theorist, you know, I think there's still evidence around us that that we can glean uh, some pretty pretty important
0: tea leaves to be read. Solid advice from a great man like I said, a legend, if you will. So let me, let me ask you one last question, and I'll, I'll let you get going. What will be Jeff Tucker's legacy in CrossFit?
1: I, I don't think I'm an important enough person to have a legacy.
0: Yeah, I think everyone has a legacy. But you are definitely, you know, For I think, let me put it this way. Every once in a while, you know, every day, someone reaches out to Fern or myself about what we're doing out here. And, and the impact that we're having. And let me tell you, whether or not you're getting those messages still to this day, you impacted me, who's impacted thousands of people. So I disagree with you. It's the first thing I've disagreed with you on. You do have, a, you do have an important legacy. Um, I don't want you to cry on my podcast. So please, no no, no, no tears today. No, no, um, I'm good. I'm good. All right. So, <laughs> but you do well, have I, a legacy.
1: I, let me respond to that. I, I, I Maybe what I mean to say is I don't think I'm important enough to be considered legacy status. I, I Here's the thing, Jason. I know you've heard me say this before. Um, I really, I am trying to aspire to one thing throughout my life. Sometimes I have done incredibly well at it. Others, I failed it miserably. But I hope if there is a legacy that it would be that I was of service in some way. If, if, if I can be of service to somebody, then I've done something that's good and, and, and altruistically good, you know? And so if I'm, I think I can say that I've helped people. I think I can say that, that, that I've been beneficial to them and, you know, and, and if I'm ever in a position to be of service to you or others in the future, then I'm available. You know, I always am. I, I I do get those emails and I get those messages and it's way, 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 humbling, way humbling. Cause man, I'm nobody. I put my pants on just like you do one leg at a time. You know, uh, if I'm in a hurry, maybe both legs and out the door, but, but I'm, I'm not anything special. Um, I, I got really fortunate to get the tap on the shoulder to do it, but I think I did because I think Greg and Dave and Nicole saw in me that this was a guy who was passionate about what he wanted to teach. Um, I hope that's been of service to this community. I, I, could, I think I can look at that empirical evidence of the staff we've developed over the years and the lives that we've touched. And I think we've done more good than harm. And, and so I hope in some way the legacy is that, hey, the, the guy said he wanted to be a service and he was. That's cool.
0: Well, that was always one of my favorite things, watching you wrap up a seminar. Lucky enough to have seen it probably three or four times, and you know that's always how you ended it: be of service. And I think your legacy is certainly one of that. You've always been of service, and you continue to be, even via social media. And we appreciate you coming on the podcast. I'm very proud and humbled to consider you a friend. To be able to reach out to you and say, "Hey, you want to hop on?" and and knowing that I'm going to have a great guest, and knowing that I get to have a inspirational, inspired morning is a uh, is is you know, something that I'm, I'm very proud of just to know you.
1: Well, I'm, I'm again, buddy, I'm, I'm humbled by it. I, I'll, I'll never forget the first day I met you. You've always been a, a Jesus character inspiration to oh, me. Yeah, you didn't even <laughs> my, uh, but you've cut your hair. hair. Yeah. You're, you're one true power. You've cut That's it. Right. That's right. <laughs> no, but ki- all kidding aside, man. I mean, you, you and I have had a lot of, a uh, lot of history and, and it's, it's a, uh, you know, we've we've not always been able to constantly talk, but when we do, it's it's been so great. And and I'm, you know, you have sought me out, and and because of that, I've been humbled by it. Uh, you know, I don't know why I say it, I say it all the time. I don't want anybody to sit in a room for sixteen hours and listen to me talk, but they did. And and in the beginning, you were one of them, and 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 we've, you know have a great mutual respect i think for what all of us are trying to do so i i applaud what you guys are doing more power to you i hope the podcast goes great and you i mean it man if i can ever help you in any way i'm here
0: well you already have i i plan on starting the carnivore diet as soon as i'm comfortable (laughs) and know i can get 30 days of meat and uh yeah there's that excuse excuse (laughs) creeping in (laughs) You, you haven't been to the Whole Foods over in uh, Boulder, Colorado, <laughs> so you don't understand what I'm talking about. Find your
1: farmers, man. Find your farmers. <laughs> That's right. Hey, where, where are
0: you now, man?
1: Where, where are you living now?
0: I'm in Boulder, Colorado right now. Oh, okay. Okay. So, Good for you. Not, yeah, pretty close to you. So anyway, it's been great to have you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I think you're froze once again, but it's all right. I don't need John to wrap it up. Thank you so much, Jeff Tucker. Find him on Instagram. Find him on Facebook. He's an amazing dude, and we are proud to have Adam on the show. Keep up the great work. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day, and thanks again to our special guest. We appreciate all you guys do for us with Best Hour of Their Day when it comes to sharing our Posts on Instagram when it comes to subscribing to us on YouTube, when it comes to the constant feedback, we are grateful and we appreciate it. We are trying to build a community based on coaching development and becoming the best version of yourself. And it goes without saying that we couldn't do without all of you. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Season one of Dropping In is out. We are getting tremendous feedback and we'd love for you to check it out leave us a comment on there, head over to our Instagram, give us a follow, like our pictures, feel free to share anything that resonates with you. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback for us, please don't hesitate. Email us day at gmail.com. Thanks again. Until the next episode, we hope you've had the best hour of your day.